You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. This drive after the takeaway and the interception. Wide open and into the end zone is Dolman Jr. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, extra special night tonight. We are not talking Giants. We are not talking about Dave Gettleman. We're not talking about COVID. We are having movie night with the Just Giants podcast. And not only is it me and you, we brought a special friend with us. Yeah, I think anytime we do uh, movie night, we should have a guest. We really should have dates if we're having movie night, but since we're pretty pathetic, we have to bring our friends. (laughs) Well... Uh, we brought in uh, not my date, uh, but it's Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants. What's going on, Bobby? Um, I'm doing good. Glad to be back on. Um, I looked. I pulled up Skype to talk to you guys and saw you guys were my last call, and I'm glad that you guys are my next call. <laughs> I think we are the only ones that use Skype. Um, I just personally don't <laughs> like Zoom. I don't. I, I don't know. It just drives me crazy sometimes. We did Skype forever, and then we basically got forced to use Zoom for video and stuff. But I'm still I'm still Skype at heart. I mean, I, I me and Danny King used to record. I had the Skype app on my phone, and I had this little mini microphone I would plug into my phone, and that's how we used to record. So I, I love Skype. Well, if you have a face made for radio like myself, you don't want any video, and that's why we do. Oh, this. I don't want video. It's just we're forced to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes with the check mark, buddy. You know. Oh. Well, that's uh. never coming. So. <laughs> Um, so we're here to talk movies, so um, sports movies, right? Uh, all of us here into sports. We were all probably into sports movies as kids. Um, but there's, you know, I, I just like movies in general. So when I look at, try to like look for the great sports movies over time, it's just a tough truth to face is that most sports movies are just not good. Um, I don't know, would you guys agree with that? Oh, totally. I mean, the big problem is most people who make sports movies don't watch sports. They kind of what their perception of what sports is, and it misses the mark, especially people like us, where we're going to dissect and pick every little thing out that's right or wrong. Like, oh, if, if it's a baseball movie, you don't hold a bat that way, or it's impossible for the Yankees to play the Mets for the division or something. So it's it's very... You know, it's very difficult to actually make a technically sound movie to begin with about sports. And then the beauty about sports is the spontaneousness of it. You know, we watch sports live. It's hard to replicate that excitement and enthusiasm in a scripted situation. So it's very difficult to make a good sports movie. Yeah, yeah there's go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was going to say there's, there's a couple of sports movies that really get me going. They are football ones. Um. But also, like like you guys said, the football ones, I'll notice the things that don't make sense. Where, you know, the baseball, basketball ones, there's probably stuff that they screw up all the time, but I have no clue. But the football ones, I can really keen in on. Like, oh, that doesn't make any sense at all right there. I mean, do you still like them even if they don't make sense? Just set that aside. Yeah, I'm not a harsh movie critic like that. Like, I know we're going to be harsh movie critics on this. But, like, I can suspend, like, this reality or whatever for a movie. Like, I can always just remind myself, like, it's it's a movie. Like, the stuff happens. 
See, I just go mental. Like when I see something, if I'm watching a TV show and it's based in Washington, D.C., and I see there's like a New York subway sign, I'm like, that's not in D.C., that's in New York. And then I go crazy for five minutes. So I, it takes me a long time for me to suspend disbelief. But, you know, something when you realize, oh, this is just some crappy movie to hold me over for two hours, I get over it. But, yeah, I, I kind of have that little thing in my head, which has caused – potential divorces in my marriage several times for me going crazy <laughs> i you know i i'm somewhere in between you guys i can suspend only so much disbelief so you know most movies screw up one thing here or there and in the moment i'll remember that they screwed it up but then forget it in the bigger plot and in the bigger excitement and whatever but if there's movies that are screwing up things left and right it starts to just like this is just like a movie and sports is just kind of a part of it um, and that's sort of like a big deal. I mean, that that is like a whole separate subgenre. Is like, like sports movies can really be broken down to straight up documentaries, a a a movie where sports is everything to the plot and and everything. And then there's movies that are entertaining and sports is important for it. And that's really it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you can even make it. You can break it down even more simple than that. There are sports movies and movies that have sports in them. Like, for example, if like the movie, um, what's the movie with uh, uh, from Police Squad? Uh, Naked Gun. Naked uh, Gun. That's not has, a baseball movie. Well, I mean, a lot of people think that's a funny sports movie because of the long scene where, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson's going to shoot the, the um, shoot the queen. And the whole thing where Leslie Nielsen is the umpire and doing all the crazy <laughs> dances for the strikes. People will say that's that's kind of a sports movie. And I, I've had this argument before. I'm like, that's not a sports movie. That's a movie where there happens to be a game being played in or a sport being played, but I would not call that a sports movie. And I also think that movies with just kids in it playing a game is not a sports movie. Uh, things like, and I'm going to get a lot of flack from this because I'm also showing how old I am, but movies where like Little Giant, uh, Angel in the Outfield, all those, they're just there to showcase little kids and them being cute and funny. They just happen to have sports in them. Those to me are not sports movies. So they will not be on my list when I like, present my top, uh, top five list. Bobby, what's your reaction to that? Because that's, that's a pretty strong take. Very strong. Little Giants is kind of like a sport. So would you call Bad News Bears a sports movie? Um, we will discuss Bad News Bears very shortly. Um, that is... All right, so a little sneak sneak peek. The original Bad News Bears is in my top five, but watch the original version with you know Walter Matthau and Tatum O'Neill, and then watch the remake with Billy Bob Thornton. The Billy Bob Thornton one is just it's it's kind of a goofy comedy where the kids are the you know the central point, like the, a ball bouncing off some kid's head. That's meant for a cheap laugh. Where the original one. It's really a story about the parents, and it's a story about the coach where they're hyper competitive, and you know they take you know the, the fun of the game from the kids away into this whole other level. That to me is more of a sports movie than just something goofy with kids running around. And I'm not even going to bring up Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, which is or going to Japan. Those <laughs> are br brutally horrible, but 
there is a distinction, I think, between that and the remake and what exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I think there's also a distinction between, say, The Mighty Ducks and Angels in the Outfield, right? I mean, Angels in the Outfield is a story about the kid getting adopted and his, his broken home and, and finding a family. And then there's, like, some clips of baseball involved. And then, like, The Mighty Ducks is about a kid's hockey team. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's about Agreed. winning. And it's like there's a whole lesson about Gordon Bombay learning you know, to, to build a stronger team and it's not always about winning and, and all this other stuff, right? Those that that's a sports movie with kids in it. So Agreed. Yeah. Alright, so cranky fans all fired up already. Give me your top five. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, well I have a lot of sports movies that, you know, I, I was pretty harsh in my criticism of sports movies, but there's a lot of sports movies I do like. And I have a lot of movies that are actually honorable mentions before I even get into my top five. Oh geez. I mean right. there's <laughs> and again, in no particular order, movies like Karate Kid, um, Rocky, Pride of the Yankees, Stroker Ace makes the list. I know it's a really horrible movie, but I love it. You know, the old Burt Reynolds movie where he's a NASCAR driver. NASCAR is the sport for movie purposes, not in real life, but it is in this thing. Um, have you guys seen Big Fan? No. Never even heard of it. Me either. Big, as Giant fans, you guys, after this, we finish doing this show, go out and watch it tonight. It's with Patton Oswald. He's a hardcore Giants fan. Hardcore. Lives in, I think, I think he lives in Staten Island, lives in one of the boroughs. He's a complete loser. Lives with his mom. And what he does every night, he calls up sports radio and Scott Farrell. Um, you know, that, that guy does for on the bench. He's the sports radio host. He does tries to do basically his radio show in the movie. And he has like his complete monologues written and he writes, he talks about how much he hates Philly and how they're going to destroy the Eagles and him and his friend go to all the games. They go to the Meadowlands, but since they don't have tickets, they sit out in the parking lot and they listen to the game on the radio. Um, and then he, they happen to see the star linebacker, uh, getting gas one night and they follow him like to go to a club and then a whole thing comes up and you got to watch the movie from there. But um, as giant fans, you should, you should check it out. It, it's, it's kind of a dark comedy, pretty dark, dark comedy. And it gets a little serious, but it's a, I would consider it a sports fan just from the, the fan being a, a, a psycho fan, not a psycho, like he, he's psycho, like a, in a bad way, but just, he's a fanatic. So check that movie out. So I, I'm noticing. I'm, I'm, I just looked it up. The budget's $5 million. Grump, how much oh. do you think the box office was? <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking maybe 250000 I, I Pretty know. close. 234000 <laughs> Damn. I mean, it felt like it was filmed with an iPad iPhone. I mean, it's, well, it's so, really so, cheaply made. Here's the thing. First of all, I love Patton Oswalt. I would um, never, yeah, I like him too. And it's a Giants move. I don't know how I've never I've heard never of heard of this. It came out in 2009. I'm also noticing that his friend or something, Sal, that's the idiot cousin from The Departed. Yep, he's in all the Scorsese movies. He was <laughs> in, uh, he's in, what, he's the younger brother in Goodfellas. He's the uh, the idiot cousin in, in The Departed. Oh, Kevin, oh my God. And Michael Rapport. Like, this has got some, like, people we know. I will, I will watch this for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our next movie night might be talking about Big Fan. but So that movie's an honorable mention for me, but my top five, it's really, I'm going to say it's a top six. Um, I put this on here. It may be the least 
sports sportiest movie there is, but to me, it's my favorite comedy of all time, Caddyshack. Yeah, I, nothing, I almost put that on. Nothing funnier. Um, number five, I have Moneyball. It's the best movie ever made that talks about sports, but actually having sports being involved, like games being involved. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic job. It's a great book, too. Number four, I have the original Bad News Bears. Again, it's a great story about how parents and adults ruin games for kids. And it's also a really good ending, how the movie ends. Um, number three, I have The Natural. It's just, it's beautifully made. I mean, it's just exciting. and just like, it's great. The cinematography is great and everything. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a great fairy tale movie. I mean, it probably wouldn't be made today, but at the time it's great. Number two, I have Rounders. Because gambling and poker is a sport. It's on ESPN. To me, it's a sport. Makes it a sports movie, and I, I, I one of my all-time favorite movies. And number one, I have Hoosiers. Hoosiers, it's the best you can do for putting excitement and drama into a sports movie, and actually be excited for what happens at the end and everything. And it just it has the look and feel of early '50s Indiana. It's a great movie. So that's my number one. Wow, that's quite a list. Um... Wait, I had was... one, one, one of my top five is on there, but that that was Moneyball. Grump, is any of yours on there? Yeah, I got two on there. Um, so my top five, and I really have a number one, a number two, and then I have a three and a four. I don't really, I mean, I guess my five would have been Caddyshack, because I, I took it off because I wasn't sure if Cranky Fan was going to yell at me for 25 minutes for putting it on. So Caddyshack can be my number five, I guess. Um, my bottom two are Hoosiers and Rudy. Um, and Rudy is like, even when I think about Rudy, I'm like, that's, I don't really like that movie, but when it's on, I actually can't turn it off. So, um, I have to put Rudy on there. Major League is my number two. I, I don't even like baseball and I love Major League. Um, and my number one is Moneyball. That is, I think, honestly, probably critically speaking, the best sports movie. It really is fantastic. I'm I'm with you. And there's one other movie which I actually had in my list and I because I can't read my own handwriting, I just realized I had it on here. Hoop Dreams. Hoop Dreams is not yeah. It, it, it's it's the best documentary I've ever seen about sports. Uh, better than forget the Michael Jordan one, forget everything else. That's just it's fantastic also. What about the LeBron what about the LeBron documentary? With Space Jam? Space Jam too? No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I just put this together, and you just reminded me with one. So that's fine. All right, it's Hardball or Space Jam for number five. Oh my god! You know what? I'm going to go Space Jam because I rewatched Space Jam. It was when I was a kid. I remember like like writing. I remember like doing like a, a project for school, and I basically just ripped off the script and just put me and my friends in it instead of <laughs> instead of. You know. uh, um, four is Moneyball. And then the only like comedy I have on there, Happy Gilmore. I love that movie. Yeah, and I like I like Waterboy a lot too. But Happy Gilmore, I mean, I cried laughing watching that movie in middle school. <laughs> I mean, I just thought you know Adam Sandler's that just just and you know my whole relationship with golf it just it just fits perfectly. Oh, true. Yeah. 
Uh, basically, <laughs> might have shaped the way I look at the game of golf. Is like that's way better than what they're usually doing. Um, and my top two are football ones. Okay. Any given Sunday. Now people hate on any given Sunday all the time. I love that movie. I can listen to the the inches are all around. Like I, if I was playing football, I could watch like that's like in the top five of like listen to that before games played. And then Friday Night Lights. I mean, listen to the outro song of Talking Giants. It is from Friday Night Lights. That is my favorite sports movie of all time. Billy Bob Thornton's perfect in that. I that movie is. I think that movie like there's there's nothing in that movie I don't like. Where I watch it, it works like oh I don't like that part. I like every single second of it. That is a glaring omission from my list, and I apologize to the makers of that film. It is a fantastic movie. Um, I love the soundtrack of it. I love that late. You know the the um. They're not as famous public enemy songs in it. They're in the locker room. I, I think it's great. Um, did you ever read the book, Friday Night Lights? No, I don't. Uh, you asked me about that question about any book, and I'm probably going to say no. So, no, I haven't. I haven't watched the TV show either, which maybe I should. I think I watched like the first two or three episodes, and I just – not that I didn't like it. I just – forgot to watch it again but uh, the book is really really good i mean if the if the movie is like an eight and a half the movie's a nine i mean the book is a nine really gets into detail about the town you know the why people are the way they are there it was really 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 good um movie's great so you There's are right 30 for 30 on dallas carter the you know the school they lost to mm-hmm. um, and obviously everyone brings up that they actually lost in the semifinals not the state championship mm-hmm. um odell's father played for dallas carter on that team Interesting. Didn't, uh, Jesse Armstead played for D- that Dallas Carter team too. Might have, dude. I mean, they're they were a powerhouse. I think he did. Yeah. Like, if I go to Texas, like I want to go, I want to go there, like that high school. Well, Grump and I got to see the mighty East Lake Eagles two years ago destroy Tarpon when uh, Tarpon only had like thirteen guys in their whole team. So that was a that was a highlight. Yeah, he's making it sound really cool. We went to a high school. <laughs> I, I was surrounded by high schoolers. It was uncomfortable. Not a high school. <laughs> the high school. How dare you? <laughs> I haven't been to a, you know, I haven't been to my high school in a long time. But I remember, like, my brother was younger than me, and they did like an they did an international fest, and we showed up all messed up at like ten o'clock in the morning for it. And that, <laughs> I think that was the last time I was in high school because we're like, why did we do this? Why did we get drunk at eight o'clock in the morning to go to our old high school? Like this, this was the dumbest idea ever. And I think that was the last time I was there. Well, Grump, did we pull a triple header that weekend? Didn't we go to the the East Lake game on Friday, the Florida game on Saturday, and a Giant game on on Sunday? We were in rare form. We showed up. Yeah. You got a flu shot to get a couple bucks off of alcohol. Oh, and this then, is the yeah. That was it. Was right <laughs> off the plane. That and then we went straight to your buddy's house, whose kid was like the quarterback or whatever. And then right. we, I don't know, did we, we took a golf cart or something to, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So the backstory for this. So down there at Publix is an incentive. This is pre-COVID. This is 2019 we went. Um, they were trying to get you to get a flu shot. And if, if you get a flu shot, they'll give you a $10 gift card for Publix. So we had to get our tailgating items for Saturday up in Gainesville. I'm like, well, we need beer. So I got my flu shot and got my my gift card and use that to buy a case of beer wouldn't anybody else do the same thing in that situation i mean but yeah my, my buddy lived who i went to school with um 
right down the street from the high school. And what they do is they tailgate before the games. They, all their, all my friends, now all their kids play on the team and they have like a golf cart brigade and they just ride in golf carts over to the, over to the high school. <laughs> so it was pretty fun. Yeah. And then yeah, we, that, that sounds amazing. That's like a perfect week. <laughs> yeah. We, we went and we saw Florida LSU that Saturday actually. And that was, That's right. that was, um, that was like that. I, I, it wasn't like an upset win, but Joe Burrow looked like crap in that game. Yeah, that's when we. That's when it was a real debate whether Joe Burrow or Philippi Franks is a better quarterback. And I was on the <laughs> Philippi <laughs> Franks is the better. Yeah, so I wasn't on that right side of history for that. It was, one. A, it was a short conversation that one. <laughs> yeah. And then I think that was the Daniel Jones weekend. His first start in Tampa Bay was that Sunday. It was in Tampa. We went to we all three of those games. games. Yeah. That's Man, right. I wish I was there for that. Like that was. I mean, it sounded like a Giants home game there. Oh, it always is. I mean, I was at a game there in the old Sombrero in 1991. So it was the year after the Super Bowl. And if you remember, Hostetler, he uh, – um, what was that shithead or that coach we had after uh, – uh, After Hanley? Yeah. Yeah, Ray Hanley. Ray Hanley, in his ultimate wisdom, decided that Jeff Hostetler should start over Phil Simms in 91. And we were awful. And uh, Hostetler got hurt, and Sims came in in the fourth quarter. And, you know, 70,000 Giant fans and about 36 Buck fans are at the Sombrero. And Sims hit Stephen Baker in the end zone with like 20 seconds left. And it sounded probably as loud as the Super Bowl did there the following year. So there's – I've been to – probably seven or eight giant games down there and it feels like Meadowland South. Yeah. Yeah. I think every game I've been there it feels like a like a sixty forty crowd. Have you been there, Bobby? Are you muted? I am muted. And I, <laughs> I've been trying to make points. <laughs> um yep that that that's me. Um I have been there, not for a Giants game. I've been to uh, the uh, the Dolphins stadium for a Giants game, which, like, Dolphins fans were getting bullied in there because it was so many Giants fans. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I've 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 uh, only been to I've been to like Bucks Raiders, Bucks Redskins, and Bucks Saints, and the Bucks crowd was pretty decent. But the Giants, you know, New Jersey, New York transplants take over. You got to remember down there in, in the Tampa Bay area, they have an extreme inferiority complex with. New York and Boston. And believe me, you may or may not, not know this, uh, Bobby, but I'm a Rays fan. And uh, <laughs> I might have melted down today, but uh, that's besides the point. Uh, but the problem is down there, it's it's not that they are more annoyed that there are Yankee fans filling their building or Red Sox fans filling the building or Met fans and actually their own team like. They, they, they just have this thing where they just are so irritated by the fact that their stadium is used like a two-bit prostitute all the time when these fans come down. So when it happens in all sports, I go to lightning games and, you know, there might be, you know, 10,000 Ranger fans and then and the locals get annoyed about it. So it's a problem. It's never going to go away down there. There's too many ta- transplants. There's not enough money to drive up demand for and drive up high prices of tickets. So the locals, you know, they – they can't support at the levels where these people come down from the north and just pay. So it's a problem they're always going to have there. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Um, I know what we're talking about. We There's one movie that not one of us had on our top five list, and it's really the reason why we're talking today. And that movie is 
draft day. Yeah, so here's the thing with draft day, right? I um I don't like Kevin Costner at all. Um, nothing about this movie jumps out at me when I look at it like I want to watch this. I don't like Kevin Costner. I don't like Jennifer Garner. Um, I don't like Dennis Leary. Like I don't like anybody in this movie. This this movie like just doesn't appeal to me. But what it does have is something that any given Sunday doesn't have, and that's NFL branding. So like when I watch any given Sunday, which you know. Bobby, you might like. I think it's awful. But um, uh, the one thing that's always kind of frustrating when you're watching is when it's, like, not branded right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they just sucks. don't have the licensing, so you're like, oh, cool, the Sharks, and I forget every other team name in that movie. Yeah. What is it, West Side Story with the Sharks and the Jets? Come on. Yeah. yeah. The black uniforms are pretty badass, though. I, I, I kind of want to get one of those now that I'm talking about it. Uh, oh, really? like an official Sharks jersey? Beeman. Beeman, you, know, you wouldn't get um Lawrence Taylor's character. I forget his name. Tank? I don't. Tank? I can't remember his Shark? name either. Tank. I'm. Re- I can't. Re- I forget names in movies really bad. Like I, <laughs> I'm probably the worst person to bring on for a movie podcast because like I don't remember anybody's names from it, even if I love the movie. You don't need to have names in this movie though. It's fine. Well, no. So so here's the thing. There's a reason why we wanted you on here, uh, and, and uh, unfortunately, Justin Justin couldn't join. But Justin would have been just as good for this too. It doesn't matter how much you know movies or whatever, right? So I look at this movie, and it's got the NFL licensing, and it immediately draws me. And like, I know it's gonna be a bad movie, but like, it's a fi- like everything about it feels like I'm going to like it, despite everything that my senses tell me. And it's a bad movie. I mean, it's it's terrible, but there's two sides to its terribleness. So there's there's the movie part where it's it's like not even good enough to be entertaining. I don't think it's maybe just barely good enough to get you through the end of the movie, but it's a bit of a struggle. But also like the reality of it, like we were saying before, like we can suspend some level of disbelief with movies getting things wrong. This movie is so in left field, it would just never happen that it's actually infuriating for me. Like, I just watch it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's um, so much of it. It's brutal. Like, the bullet points I have, it's like, this uh, This would never happen. This would never happen. And I think it's because they're making a movie about the freaking draft day. And it's like, we have to make everything so overdramatic than what yes. it actually is like in real mm-hmm. life. It's like football. It's like you well, can make football dramatic and believable. Draft day, well, like, like that you have to make it unbelievable to make it dramatic well what they're trying to do is they're trying to appeal to everybody i mean this movie is the equivalent of the super bowl telecast where it's not just your normal football fans who watch on week nine in november this is getting the wife and the kids and the grandmother and the neighbors over so they're trying to appeal to everyone and when you try to appeal to everyone you appeal to to no one, basically. Um, Especially with the draft. So the draft, like, people are, like, the most niche people in sports. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. like, it's like just appeal to them. It's like they're going to be the ones that watch it. It's like the only people I ever see, like, tweet or talk about draft day, or I've never met anyone in real life to talk about draft day, are people who, like, love the draft and are like me and Grump who are breaking down fifth-round linebackers out of <laughs> Iowa State. For next year. Breaking out <laughs> yeah. guys for next well, year. We're going to get into this really quickly, but in this movie, they do the exact opposite of breaking down film for next year. They're drafting people blind and then researching it <laughs> later. So I mean, can you imagine what kind of podcast that show would be leading up to the draft? Today, nothing. Next week, nothing. 
Week after the draft? Oh, let's see who we got. I don't know. Um, but before we get into the movie, I, I want to say one thing that, about Kevin Costner is I kind of consider him a guilty pleasure. He's kind of like that Huey Lewis in the News album, which is horrible, but you kind of like the songs when you're on a road trip. That's what I feel about Kevin Costner. I mean, movies like No Way Out or 13 Days, JFK, whenever they're on, they're, I just put them on and just watch them. I may be doing work. I may be, you know, darning my socks. I may be doing something, but those movies just stay on. They're just kind of, I don't know. They're like, what do they call them? Earworms. When you hear a song and can't get out of your head. That's kind of what Costner is for me, where he's not a good actor. Every movie, he has a horrible accent, whether it's a bad Boston accent, a bad New Orleans accent, whatever. You know, he's not a very good actor, but his movies just kind of seem like – and Draft Day kind of fits that mold. It's just it's just on, and I'm just kind of – before I know it, I've watched two hours, and I've wasted two hours of my life. So I don't have that thing about Costin where I can't stand him. I mean some of his movies are really brutal, but this is one it's just – I don't say I'm a fan of the movie. I like the movie, but if it's on, especially on a plane, if I need to kill two hours and there's nothing else better on – I'll watch it, sure. <laughs> um, I think so. What's really frustrating for me about this movie is like you guys hit it on the head, right? It's it is such a niche thing, but this is so is Moneyball. I mean, Moneyball is probably the most niche thing ever. We're talking about like the, breaking baseball down to straight up math and numbers. I mean, it, it doesn't get any less exciting than math and numbers. And draft day. It is a really interesting subject because there isn't anything really about the draft out there. And it is a really interesting day where a lot of crazy shit happens. The problem is, instead of like trying to focus on the reality of how cool and exciting and strange draft day actually is, they manufacture a bunch of chaos to make it so over the top that it's just... It's not even a movie about the draft anymore. It's a movie about Kevin Costner's dead dad and... The ashes and his ex-wife and he's dating the cap girl and, and she's who gets pregnant that morning and tells her and he, never mind it she works in the front office and knows that this is the the day of days the most important day of the year i'm gonna drop a bomb on you that i'm pregnant with your kid this and, is like dave gelman and kevin abram being in a relationship <laughs> having a kid <laughs> trying to distract him about the kid on the day of yeah um, that morning and, it's it's so ludicrous, and they have the the fucking cap girl needs the uh, needs the secretary, so the GM gets an intern working his phones that day. Like, are you that what day? Is the, what is that the cap day. girl doing on draft day? <laughs> what are we What are we doing with numbers on draft day? We're gonna break. We're gonna break we all get, of oh, this. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the cap is figured out. Like, like oh, that's a difference of, of four million. It's like, well, that's the easy like. That has nothing to do with a draft trade. Like, do do you think they even ask Kevin Abrams anything when the Giants are trading up or down? Hell I no. I, I think I can go to Wikipedia and find out what the difference is for the the slot for the seventh pick versus the ninth pick. I don't think you need a capitalist <laughs> to figure that one out. Uh, the movie is so ridiculous. But just to give a, we're, we're going to go through all of the lunacy of this movie. But just to give you like. The brief synopsis is this movie takes place entirely on draft day from the moment Kevin Costner, who is GM of the Cleveland Brown, wakes up with his capologist in bed with him, by the way, which is already like, this guy's fired. Um, 
then you know it moves through the day yeah, as this is the Washington Redskins organization. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it really yeah, is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it man- navigates him through the day where he's getting pressure from everybody. Other GMs are trading with him. The owner's on his case. Let's get the backstory first. He is the son of the of the face of the Cleveland Browns for 30 years or however long he's been there. Sonny Weaver Ju- Sr., all we know is he's been the coach forever, and Sonny Weber- Weaver Jr. is a third year, we figured out, his third year as the GM. And one of his big acts is to fire his dad. I mean, <laughs> so right off, you know we're getting into chaos already. With that, yeah, and his dad has died a week before the move, the 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 day of the draft. So there, you know, there's an issue where his mom comes in and they want to spread his ashes on the practice field on draft day. You know, he gets in this situation where his whole cap situation, his whole draft scouting situation gets thrown in the trash because of suddenly on draft day the owner's on his case about how he's going to do things. And then other organizations are in his face with things, and he's got to make his way through the draft. He makes a blunder right away, and uh, the movie wraps up very nicely with him in like a span of ten minutes reversing the entire situation. Um, it, 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 if it sounds like lunacy to you, it's because it is. But we're going to go through just how fucking ridiculous this movie is. So the first trade that happens... Um, while he's he's in his park, he's in his driveway actually. When the first thing happens, and he doesn't make the trade, right? He gets a phone call. Let's start off. Let's start off. So, what are the Browns drafting? They're drafting seventh, right? Right, right. So I'm going to go through it as uh, yeah. Hey, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. Relax. Yeah, that's the stage too. I okay. am. I am. Chill. So. He gets a phone call in his driveway. It's the Seattle Seahawks who have the number one pick. They are offering um, to take the Browns at number seven plus their first rounder next year and a third rounder the year after that. So Which they is, give up. Yeah. They're giving that, up the franchise QB. That's that's essentially the, the Giants trade with the Bears this year was the exact same thing. And that was their like, oh, we're scared to do this. And then they that's like that's the trying to rob them blind move they sent. Well, let's back up a bit. I mean, this the whole day starts off, you know, even before today. Let's the backstory of the Browns was their starting quarterback last year was out for the year. He got hurt in week two or three, and it basically week six. sabotaged week, week six. six. They were five and one when he got hurt, and they ended right. one and nine. So that sabotaged that whole season, and we know that Drew was hurt before. So this is the second time he was hurt. But the way it's being framed on Cleveland Sports Radio is that this GM, you know, who's a legacy because of his dad, has, quote, run this team into the ground, and <laughs> this is do or die day. He ran this – he ran a 5-1 and one team into the ground half of the season because the starting quarterback – got hurt so let's so there's this cooked up pressure for him to do something and then the owner uh comes in out of nowhere and is like hey we have to make a splash right right so here's what happens the 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 seventh pick next year's first and the year after's third was a no-go for kevin costner then he runs into the owner who tells him 
we need to make a splash. And and that's pretty much it. He pretty much threatens his job. If you don't make a splash, you know, you're going to be fired, right? Um, so he calls back to make that deal, and that deal is no longer available. That deal now is Seattle gives up the number one pick, which we'll get into what that really means in a second, for the Browns' number seven overall, next year's first, and the year after that's first-round pick as well. He makes this deal on the phone alone in his SUV 20 minutes into the movie with no consulting anybody. Um, And that first overall pick is a quarterback from Wisconsin who we're led to believe is the best quarterback to come out since Andrew Luck. So he's trading three years worth of first-round picks for Andrew Luck. Is is you know it, it's not just the first overall pick. It's not just a quarterback. We're essentially talking about Andrew Luck here. What, what, what I like about the owner wanting the splash move is he gave him two options. Like you can trade up and draft this quarterback, or just draft a QB at seven. Or he's like, hey, the running back, you know, he's Cleveland legacy. Pick him at at seven, mm-hmm. which he ended up picking up at eight anyways. So he could, if I mean, he clearly liked the running back enough to pick at eight or whatever it was, um, or, or or seven. He ended up picking him at seven, and he's like, nope, not doing that. He, I'm going to trade three first for a QB that I admittedly haven't done any homework on. Yo, yeah, I mean, first, that's the best first part. Of all, you two have done more draft research than a NFL GM about again the best prospect in a decade. It makes it's like we'll make this. I'll make this trade by myself, consulting nobody. Now everybody in the war room on draft day, let's go back and do our due diligence on him to make sure that he's a good pick or not. It's the silliest thing you've ever heard in your life, and I'm sure if we were in a movie theater, there'd have been a lot of bullshit, bullshit from people who are watching the movie. It's it's, it's absurd. Yeah, I, I think. That is kind of the funniest thing for me. He makes this deal. Nobody knows it happens. He walks into, I don't know, I, I guess some like theater film room or whatever, um, tells the staff that they have the first overall pick, and he admits that it's his fault that nobody did any research or nobody did quality research on this quarterback that doofuses with you know an iMac and a subscription to YouTube for ad-free viewing have already done more work than he has. Um, And then their coach, the head coach is Dennis Leary, who was the coach of the Cowboys, won a Super Bowl ring, but it sounds like a Barry Switzer situation where he he followed the guy that had won a couple of rings maybe before. And he came and that guy left and he won a ring. But for some reason, we don't know how it happened. He ended up in Cleveland and he made it sound like it was his choice. So yeah, I don't know he makes what, it sound like on. it's his choice, and Kevin Costner says he ran the Cowboys into the ground and got fired. So we well, don't really would, know what happened, but well, my question would be: if this is Costner's third year as GM, and this is the coach's second year, I, second or Costner? first? So wouldn't Costner be the guy that hired him in the first place, and now all of a sudden, yes. they act like they, they act like they've never talked to each other in their life, and, it, and it's instantly oil and water. That that was a little silly. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. He definitely he the, the the plot of the movie is that he fired his dad last year, and so this is either the first year or second year. But either way, he had to have been hired by Kevin Costner. So he liked something about him. 
Well, well you know, you have, you have to, you have to like the owner was like forced him to hire the coach, but he had the authority to fire his own father, who I guess was such a legend that they were naming practice fields about uh, after him while he was still coaching. Like, oh, by like, the way, Bill Belichick, I don't think he has anything named after him in New England yet because he's still coaching. And he's but he has the authority to fire his own father, but not <laughs> like hire the new coach. And he's such a legend that the city of Cleveland is screaming for any type of winner. They haven't won shit in 30 years. I think they even say it in the movie. So if they haven't won anything in 30 years, why is this guy a legend? My favorite – you mentioned the radio talk, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, cranky. What I loved about that, and I wrote about it, is the radio act like saying about Cleveland. He's like, this this place sucks. There's nothing nice. About it. <laughs> the only thing we have is our sports teams. Like, imagine you're, you know, you got some pride of your city in Cleveland, and the guy on the radio is like, this is literally the most important day of all our lives. This town sucks, and the only thing we care about is the Browns, the Indians, and the Cavs. Who had a combined zero championship at that point? This is pre. LeBron winning the title in, in 2000, whenever it was, 2017. So they didn't want anything in 40 years, but they have all this pride in these pathetic teams that they have. I mean, I guess if you lived in a town where you your uh, river was on fire, you wouldn't be too proud of it either. But eh, Yeah, and they, like, they bring up the Browns like leaving and coming back, but they have this coach who's like the great, like a legend, like I said, to get all this stuff. So I was like, how? Like, what do you have one good year? Like, they didn't win a Super Bowl. Like, they're, they they try and keep it real, but also it's like, how the hell is this guy a legend and old enough to die a year later after he's fired? <laughs> also, here here's a couple other things that I love about this. First of all, we're talking about getting a new quarterback. We know the previous quarterback was five and one, no matter how good or bad he was. He was five and one before he went down. They were weak one knees. and nine without him. Yeah, weak weak in the knees. We don't weak know shit about the offensive line, and we're talking about quarterbacks here. Like, that's the problem. And also, the, the, the fictional owner of the Browns is, is talking about how people pay money for a splash. Why does Cleveland need to worry about ticket sales? Yeah. They've sold out every game for the last 237 years. What, what do they care? That's, that's another, this isn't Jacksonville where they're selling tickets at Pickwick or you, know, you, you buy two cartons of milk and you get a free ticket to the game. I, they're pretty sure they're in good <laughs> shape with season tickets for – you know, a waiting list a, a thousand years long. Um, here, so now I'm going to move into some other like random things here. Kansas City calls up later on, and they offer to make a trade for Brian Drew, the the current quarterback rehabbing a knee injury. Um, Kevin Costner says he's still working and has nothing to offer on either side. In all of this news here, we learn that Brian Drew is an eight-year vet. So that means he's nearly 30 years old. And he has now had two NFL knee injuries. And then, when he finds out that his team has moved up to the first pick overall, assumingly for the next Andrew Luck, he trashes Kevin Costner's office. I, I find that to be wildly hard to believe that he is not decked in the face immediately after that and sent packing. Well, my favorite part is that like, he's coming off of a, a knee injury. He's eight years in the NFL, but the strength coach is like, dude, did you see him bench? He's throwing 15 yards further. I haven't seen him throw it, but he benched, and he's squatting more than his, in his life coming off of a knee injury. That would be red flag one. Like, okay, I feel great about what I did. This guy's squatting 400 pounds off of a knee injury that ruined our season. Like, I, I'm going to trade him in a heartbeat. 
Is anybody drafting Alex Smith as she's had multiple like surgeries and saying, hey, guess what? I'm really interested in him. Of course not. Until you see on the field these guys do anything. <laughs> an injury, And also we don't know what his cap situation is. I mean, is, is the guy like making $20 million a year? Is he just an overpaid guy? Does he have five years left on his deal? What's a dead cap hip on him and everything? It's just we just have no regard for the salary cap at all in any of these, except, of course, for the salary cap lawyer gets knocked up. But that, you know, when, it, when it's really practical to understand the situation, of these guys, it doesn't matter anymore. On the on the side here, we have a separate situation where the head coach is more worried about a running back than anything else in the universe. Um, well, <clears throat> I mean, not, I, I'm not saying a specific running back. I'm saying he is more worried about any running back whatsoever. That is his big his his offense apparently revol- revolves around a running back that quote can run. That's it. <laughs> So what happens is the head coach now has a side conversation with the Buffalo Bills and offers up offers up the first overall pick, the head coach. So the, the Buffalo Bills call up the GM now, Kevin Costner, and they offer the 13th overall pick, which I deduced from a screenshot, <laughs> next year's first round pick, a running back, and another player whose position is unspecified and his talent level is unspecified as well. This is actually the only thing that's not super unrealistic is the details of this deal. Um, what is unrealistic is the whole setup of the head coach initiating all of this. Um, and also, <laughs> they're arguing over the running back in question, somebody named Maurice Castillo, who apparently can run but can't block. And that doesn't matter. But the head coach is insistent that they draft this very specific running back if they can't make this deal, who I have to assume if he's going in the top 10 can at least block. So if it doesn't matter that you block, why can't you just get a running back in the second round, the third round? If it's not that important where you're willing to get Andrew Luck first overall and, and, and deal with this person from Buffalo or whatever who can't block at all, why can't you just draft a running back in the second round, the third well, round, po- fourth, two fifth, points. sixth, seventh? We we just did a very very high draft pick on a running back who really can't block either. In Saquon Barkley, he's and not second, great at blocking. He can block. If, it, it needs improvement. It's the biggest part of improvement he needs in his game. But the bigger thing to me, who wants to draft a, a running back from Florida State? <laughs> that, that that corrupt cesspool of humanity. Uh, to that, to me, right there, it's just. And then, then who's the guy they have Calvin on? Cook, Devontae Freeman, Ward. Dun- I mean, they, I they, they, they got Noles. some good ones. They're all Knowles. <laughs> but my. And then, if you notice in the little subtle thing they do in the movie, is that when they're on NFL Network, who's mm-hmm. the guy kind of kind of glossing over? The uh, the legal the, troubles he has. Yeah, so Deion the, Sanders. The, <laughs> yes. yeah, the, I'm sorry, you're talking Coach Sanders. Coach Sanders. Oh, yes. right. That's Deion. it, man. You're out of here. That's he's. I'm yeah. I'm gonna get up and walk away now. You didn't call him by his <laughs> his overlord title. Um, I will say, you know what this movie did right, and I miss it so much compared to real life now, is I miss Chris Berman and John Gruden on the NFL draft set. I miss yeah, both those guys like crazy. I love both of them. I really miss having them on TV. We we were graced with both John John Gruden on TV and Mike Mayock in TV in this movie. Ooh. 
Um, and I actually, you know what, Mayock, his NFL Network stuff for the draft, I actually enjoy. Just not really on draft night. Well, the problem with Mike Mayock is he does his draft day shtick when he's doing games. Like all he does when you're watching a game is talk about his measurables and talks about his combine stuff. And it's he's not a color commentator for an actual game that he's watching right now. Like he'll talk about a receiver making the catch. Well, you know, his broad jump was this and, you know, he, he, he graded it out with this. It's like, OK, that was six years ago. But tell me what happened with that play I just saw, please. Um. So the next thing that happens, that's, that's, this is just a spicy little nugget that comes up later. The Houston Texans call, and they want to know about an outside linebacker, I think. I don't know if they ever specify where he plays as a linebacker. Um, uh, was he Ohio State or something? No, Ohio State. I, they said an inside linebacker who can control the gaps from a 3-4, but every time they show him, he's rushing the passer from the edge. From the edge, so even, right? Yeah. Even though they said that, I'm considering Vontae Mack an edge. Yeah, so no his name is Vontae Mack. Um, so this is the person that the GM truly likes, probably wanted to draft at 7 overall. Houston is calling, they're picking at 15, and they want to know if that's a smart pick or not, or if he's going to fall to the second round. Please jot that down for later root use. Now to later use. It is now the Browns on the clock, first overall. Without being in the war room, Sonny Weaver calls in the pick and it's Vontae Mack first overall so this man that most teams are now thinking might slip to the second round is now going first overall that alone is just madness right there and I, they gloss over it so like it didn't even happen and it's just so silly could have had him at seven initially they clearly didn't plan the chaos that follows after this because they're all surprised and acting on their feet and, and I, I just don't – it's just uh, – yeah, it just, hurts my brain. Yeah, but just yeah, because like, one jackass GM thinks he may fall to the second round, that might have him just trying to deke him out or no, something. No, his would, own agent it, says that. His own agent says, you know, we're looking at 15 with Houston, but I'm not really even sure about that. It might be the second round. That's what his talk, agent says to him. Can we talk about him. his agent for a minute, please? Because I have <laughs> that as one of my notes. Wait, wait, wait. Which agent are you talking about? You're talking about P. Diddy? Yes. <laughs> That's Bo Callahan's agent, yeah. Let's book out. Okay, I'm gonna then I'll table this for later for, the, for that conversation. Well, admit, who do you think bangs more chicks in a week, Puff Daddy or Bo Caller? <laughs> yeah. Oh my 20, god. Twenty chicks a week is what I'm betting. Well, I haven't seen the Puff Daddy website, which there apparently is a Bo Callahan website for all the chicks he's banging. So, um, twenty chicks we'll, a week they thought. Yeah. <laughs> so you better here's, you better stop it, Bob, because I'm about to lose my shit. Yeah. <laughs> so is in the movie. Yeah. Here, here's you, the thing. With Bo Callahan, this is this is important to me here. So we pick Vontae Mack. He's the clean, off-the-field guy, right? He had a sister with cancer or something like that, whatever. There's all sorts of new, – there's numerous moments of just stupidity in this movie where they're watching a game they don't even know that the guy that they wanted to draft got ejected from and shit like that. That just doesn't make any sense. But most importantly, he's being fed information from a scout or, I don't know, a private investigator or something – about Bo Callahan and how the this like hammer of truth is now hitting him that this kid is like I don't know a shithead or something the big thing is that he has a 21st birthday party and not a single teammate goes to and that's supposed to be the big thing where it's like I don't know I don't think this that's, guy has what we that's what the it red takes flag. yeah we, we Which, don't know by what the that way red flag rolling that Ohio State game was amazing like rolling to the left 
Oh, the throat? Yeah. Um, Where's yeah, that guy the, who played him? Was he an actual uh, – was he ever an athlete, that guy, or just some stock actor from – The, the 35-year-old playing a 21-year-old? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who that guy you is. Notice Vontae Max phone, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's Brass Knuckles. Yeah, I think yeah. – I kind of want that phone case now, but like that was the one that like this is the most pure guy in the world, but his phone case is very visibly brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> also uh, Chadwick Boseman, by the way, which is pretty cool. He delivers a really good performance, actually. Le- legitimately not shitting on this movie now, delivers a good performance after he gets uh, drafted first overall. He's the most like realistic in- person. In, in this, the, the two most realistic things well, in this besides movie. Besides the fact that he beat Schefter to the punch on a. On a scoop. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about, about that. that. <laughs> well, the, the most realistic people in the movie are Chadwick Bolgen playing him and the crowd booing the commissioner. I thought that was pretty funny. They actually put that in there when he came in to, to do the picks. You can actually, you can hear the crowd at Radio City booing him. I thought that was really a nice touch. Well, Goodell would have got more shit if he didn't do that. So I think that's like, you know, that's Goodell playing as smart. It's like, oh, people will think it's funny if. Because you know how he's leaned into the booing thing now? Oh, yeah, he's all in, yeah. Which that didn't always happen. Like, that started with Goodell, you know? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it might have been after the Saints thing. No, was it? That seems kind of I think so. I think so. Was that 2008? Oh, I guess it was 2009 draft? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It seems like it's been forever. All right, so then... Here's where now chaos ensues. Bo Callahan isn't picked first overall, and every team starts not picking him because they don't know what's wrong with him. They've already made a draft plan that doesn't involve him, and so already this isn't making much sense. And, and like, this can happen, right, but not with an Andrew Luck-type player. If you didn't find anything, and now he falls into your lap, there's well, no Trump, way you're not taking him. Trump, there's a very important question that has this to be considered. This is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. We have, we're talking about teams that are drafting... Two, three, four, five, six. None of these shitty teams that are drafting two, three, four, five, or six need an upgrade at quarterback. They're all good with who they have now, even though they were three and thirteen or four and twelve. Well, no, they got five, they got spooked by the Browns. The Browns didn't pick them, so they're like, oh well. Do we have any information not to draft them? No, but they didn't, so we're not going to either. Yeah. Then the Browns pull a Browns move, and everyone acts like they're doing something right suddenly. That's like if like the brand, like you know the Raiders take Cleveland Farrell fourth overall mm-hmm. two years ago, and you know a team's like, all right, well we got to get Drew Locke next because they just screwed everything up. <laughs> um, so what ends up happening now is apparently every team between uh, one and six has an All Pro quarterback. One team actually does apparently. They say that Denver does at five, and it gets to Jaguar the Jaguars at six. Now if you remember. The Seahawks, who made the original trade in the beginning, are now at seven. So now that Kevin Costner has been alerted to the fact that all hell has broken loose from his move and Bo Callahan is falling, he springs back to action, which, by the way, he left the war room after he made his rogue pick. Um, and the owner flew from New York to Cleveland in the span of six picks, by the way, too. Just Just a little nugget on the side. Oh, he's on Jeff Bezos' spaceship to get there in 17 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so they call up the Jaguars, who apparently have a first-year GM. Sonny Weaver's a second-year GM, but apparently... Oh, I guess he's only a second year with Cleveland, but whatever. Um, and they trade 
three years worth of second round picks for the number six pick. Um, and I calculated that out. If they're picking in the same spot in the second that they were picking in the first, that's the 39th overall pick. So seventh, right? Um, it's a pretty high second round pick to move to six. So at this moment, they don't have this year, next year, and a year after number one, and they don't have next year's, the year after, and the year after that's number twos? Yes. In that moment, after the, but they have two top ten picks. They, they have, have the first overall. They, the they have the first number one. They already drafted. They They already have yeah. one pick. Yeah. So they 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 have a second round linebacker, I guess. Um, and <laughs> this trade, I guess, like in a vacuum, isn't totally nuts. But it's not in a vacuum, right? Andrew Luck is sitting there. This is not a vacuum anymore. You're not trading for six. You're trading for Andrew Luck. That's what you're doing. So. especially when you throw in like the no friends thing is the reason that he's falling you just keep remembering that that's the only reason this dude is falling right now um well there was something also didn't Vontae Max say something like watch the film after I sack him or something yeah that's that's the the, yeah he he threw one bad pass is he really a winner or does he really want to win like that's the hundred dollar bill thing too that's right which that might be the most realistic thing of the whole well actually no they don't give their playbooks out at the draft but doing something like that actually is the, probably the most realistic thing in the movie. Yeah, they, they do all sorts of little psychological games like that to, to, to see what's going on with these kids, yeah. So I, I, the, the, um, the thing that they're referencing is uh, the story comes to light from this private investigator or whatever this guy is that I think it's Washington is the team that gives out playbooks to a bunch of players and they tape a $100 bill to the back page and it's supposed to trick them because they ask every player if they read the playbook. They all lie and say that they they have, even though they haven't. And then they get reminded of the hundred dollar bill, and then they gauge their reaction to kind of. It's a character test or something well, well, like first, that. Well, first, for one second, it's one thing if you just like slip a hundred dollar bill in there. So it's like, oh, I must have left it there by mistake. Taping it to it. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. That's not like an accident. Like, why would you even do that? It's just again. Such an absurd little side story that, that it just doesn't make any sense. Well, also, if you tape $100, you don't have to read a book to feel that there's something – like that page is going to naturally separate especially itself by last, weight. That especially the last page where it's like uh, you accidentally would open that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you picked it up upside down. So it's just kind of silly. And then like the, the big thing is that not only does Bo Callahan not read the whole playbook, he also lies about having found the $100 bill or something. And that's supposed to mean he's a piece of shit and not just a 21-year-old who's trying to get a job. I don't know. Um, so now now the, the Browns are on the clock at 6. They have Mon- Vontae Mack. Um, they have no second-round picks. And no first-round picks for the next couple of years. Um, so now they call up their friends in Seattle, who are picking at seven, and they offer them Bo Callahan, basically. Because because remember, outside the office in Seattle, they're hanging the GM in effigy because they wanted Bo Callahan, and they traded their pick for him. So he's catching shit, and all he cares about is his self-image and, like, how is this playing? What are they thinking about this? What are people saying about me? So well, Kevin he's Costner panicking read as well. The forums. He read Big Blue Interactive. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Well, no, he's not on Twitter. That's no, but thing. he did. He he tells him that he he looked up all of the Seattle forums and blogs. Um, 
and they're all they're all calling for him. <laughs> yeah, but he but he's never had Twitter and doesn't know what a tweet is. Um, Whatever you call those things. Whatever yeah. you call those things. <laughs> so my grandma. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, Seattle cooked up this this plan to fleece air quotes somebody that morning at like four o'clock in the morning, just just as a nugget. Um, <laughs> so now now they're the pivoting back. Well, you know what? Maybe we should trade. Yeah, it, it's that morning. It's 4 o'clock in the morning when the owner tells the GM that they're better off not getting the best quarterback since Andrew Luck, but they're better to just get a bunch of draft picks. So that's what happens. Oh, so, um, so wait, so you, it's a team who thinks it's their best interest just to fleece other teams and screw over other teams, sort of like what Philly did last year, where their goal is just to, to get over on the Giants? That, just that's not block a, us? That's, that's not a viable way to run your business? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Um. So what ends up happening is Kevin Costner now puts Seattle in a bind where Andrew Luck is sitting there. Um, and they force Seattle into a trade where they give up the six overall pick and in return get the number seven pick. They get their first round picks for next year or the year after back. And then they kick in a punt returner, which is just because he feels like it. Kind David of thing. Putney. Give me yes. a name. Give me a name. <laughs> David Putney. And then, and then a capologist. Who's you know she all of a sudden Putney, David Putney in the in the in the, the coach. Yeah, what a, she like, shucks. Yeah. Like, what do we need? Like, um, a kick returner. Like, well, no, that we we probably take anything else besides a kick returner. <laughs> you can get your fucking running back. You got the a running back that only needs to run. You couldn't get one of those. Yeah, I need a I need a pass blocking running back. Do you have one of those, please? Yeah. So, uh, I I I don't know. That, that, that's a whole thing that happens there. And that might be the most ridiculous move right there, right? And then the owner says, congratulations, you made a splash. And yeah. As they fade to black with the victory. And everybody on Sports Radio thinks that he saved Cleveland and everybody's partying like it's 1999. It was. Oh, yeah. The media is like, this is amazing. Where in real life, like <laughs> we'd be like, what the fuck just happened? This- oh, oh, sorry. The, the big kicker is that after they make this trade, at seven overall, they pick the running back that the coach has always wanted anyway, who is played by Arian Foster and whose dad is Terry Crews. And remember, too, like another legacy because the dad was the running back. The dad is supposed to be like a, a Jim Brown like God in Cleveland, too. So they're very big on legacies in, in, in this thing where, again, they haven't won anything in, in a thousand years. And also, you know... They're they're making all these picks for like a running back at seven, but apparently this offense doesn't need one that does it all, even though the coach really loves this one. But the only defensive player whose name we ever hear is Vontae Mack. We have no idea what the situation is on their defense. There isn't a corner that they need or a safety or, I don't know, a, a defensive tackle, anything. There's nothing else that they need, just a running back and a quarterback situation there. That's, well, with that's... hindsight, they could have taken best player available at first overall and then taken Vontae Mack when they traded back up to seven. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it's The whole thing is just madness. I didn't um, know that was Arian Foster who played this, the, uh, yeah. the running mm-hmm. back. Yeah, and I mean, some of the casting is kind of cool. Um, I, I mean, I personally like Terry Crews a lot. I think he did a good job. <laughs> the the end. I like Terry Crews and everybody hates Chris. You you have bullet points, Bobby. We've kind of hit all of them. What I one that we um what I didn't hit on was uh when he's talking to the Wisconsin coach 
so they're talking on the coach phone for like a little minute and a half. And as soon as he hangs up, he just turns to the players while he wasn't watching them, like, all right, you guys are pathetic. And then just like that guy. <laughs> how, does, how does he know they're pathetic? They this guy who's like backing his players like to the death. It is, as soon as he hangs up the phone, he's like, you're pathetic. And then and then does that to them. Um, I I really like that Vontae Mack beat Schefter to the punch on the scoop. Yeah, that's the funniest thing is that um, Adam Kevin Schefter has, has no idea how people found out about this news. Like he's never, you know, dealt with Adam Schefter in his life. Or the well, fact that true. a that's trade takes true. two people. I mean, well, Seattle can tell anyone that they made this deal. Yeah. Because Schefter was on the phone. Remember the intern was like, Adam Schefter is on the line for you. And he's like, uh, we have no comment. So he knows exactly what Adam Schefter is, what Adam Schefter is all about, how Adam Schefter gives out information. So they... <laughs> it's just hilarious that, that Vontae Mack leaks the news before Schefter. Schefter couldn't confirm with Seattle. He needed Kevin Costner to confirm it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, just absolute madness. Vontae Mack's agent broke the news to Vontae Mack and he tweeted it out before Schefter found out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Schefter only had it as a rumor up to that point. Also, at one point, I'm pretty sure uh, while on the phone with his mother, uh, the coach walks into Kevin Costner's office and lights a fire or something like that. He lights the playbook on fire. Let's just say there are multiple HR infractions going on in this organization. And Bobby, to your point, Burning this seems all the like Washington with, with two more full days of drafting going on. He's like, I'm burning every fucking scouting report. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's the scouting plan that was like, which by the way was like a folder. It, it, was, it was literally like a Minecraft folder. Yeah, um, yeah. This movie, this movie sucks. I, I just. I, I, you know, you mentioned any given Sunday, and um, I, I used to look at that movie and be like, "This movie is just terrible." Like, it's so over the top with what's his face uh, as the coach. Just every speech. There's even a point where uh, Beeman is like making fun of him making speeches, like "Run to the Buick and turn around, then wait for your mama to ring the dinner bell" or something like that. Or they're making they're just like so meta. They're making fun of their own movie in the movie. And that movie is less ridiculous than this movie that is NFL licensed and like, well, in, well, in an hour it. and fifty minutes, this movie has just like completely shit all over the real draft process. Well, you mentioned NFL licensing, so if you're going to use NFL licenses and real names and real stadiums and real colors, you better be real with the history of these teams as well. I mean, the coach, Coach Penn, says something to the effect of. I came from Dallas where we win a lot. What lifetime has Dallas won a lot? I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been 30 years since they won a lot. So if you're going to try to be as real as you can with using real teams, keep them in real scenarios. I mean, this movie works by using Cleveland as this team that's trying to get their shit straight. They haven't won in a long time. We all know that. You know, we can't turn off our brain to – Wait a minute. Dallas hasn't won anything. Why is Dallas all of a sudden like where this coach came from? Uh, th- that was silly. Um, I got some other little quick notes here. We mentioned it before with Puff Daddy. Why is why is why, why is he an actor? Why, why is he getting seven and eight, and nine and ten chances in life to become a big star? 
when he has basically zero talent in anything he does. Hey, that guy, was that was uh when people were dissing Biggie. They're you know t- talking about having the uh you know Puff Daddy on on the songs. He's like you don't need you, like he's not supposed to be there. I mean the guy. I mean every if you ever saw uh made. The, the follow-up John Fabro uh, Vince Vaughn movie when uh, he's supposed to be like a, a a gangster head in the city. He has zero charisma. In this, he's supposed to be the charismatic uh, agent and everything. And it's like, would you want that guy in a negotiation with me representing me to get a big contract? No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't understand why he keeps getting these movie roles, and it makes no sense. Um, again, what is Cleveland? We kind of mentioned this already. Like, are they in a rebuilding mode or what's the offensive line like? Why are they in a win now? What, what's the pressure to win all of a sudden? Um, he's, he's a GM for two years. Why are we in a situation where he has to be fired, especially when his QB gets hurt? That, that, that's just silly. Um, I don't know. It, it, this is one of these, again, it's a kind of a guilty pleasure. You just keep watching, but the more you break it down, the more you go crazy. It's just... It's just the theater of the absurd. I would say that there is an absurdity in every scene in this movie. I, I I feel like I have to watch it a third time to really like try, test myself to see if I can find an absurdity in every single scene in this movie. Because I think you could. There's a, there's three separate times he has a private conversation with his girlfriend slash capologist in the closet or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's. It's bad. If they made a movie where it was just about the drug. <laughs> I just realized they have an assistant GM who's a female, which would probably be huge news, like like groundbreaking yeah. stuff. And it's like, nope, actually, the first time we did this, the regular GM's actually having sex with her. Um, and, <laughs> That's a good point. They really and, cheapen and her role. And they're going public because only, only reason is because they're having the kid. No, they're going public because... She doesn't want to be hidden anymore. That that's why. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically it. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. It's like, okay, maybe you have one quick little. Can I grab you for two seconds and talk about it? They go into that closet three times. It's. I, I really wonder where people who aren't really football fans, and maybe they just like Kevin Costner from Bull Durham. Or maybe they like Jennifer Gardner for whatever for the what's in your wallet commercials. I don't know whatever she is known for. <laughs> well, who, they just do they care? They they like this movie. Well, who is the 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 Miami Marlins the the woman GM they hired? I forget her name. Oh, it's, it's the one from the uh, the, the Giants. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so it's basically like her and Derek Jeter having a relationship, having a kid that's secret, which would be like totally just irresponsible. That would be like National Enquirer news. They're just like blatantly like together where everyone in the, uh, you know, the organization knows they're in a closet. And then they come out of the closet to see that Don Mattingly is setting the office on fire because (laughs) Derek Jeter traded John Carlos Dan. And Kristen and and Yelich Yel- Yel- right, Yel- is trashing it, you know, a minute after. <laughs> it, it really is the theater of the absurd. Um, I mean, we were talking about Moneyball before. I mean, can you see Art Howe was like two seconds away from starting to trash things? That movie, he was so pissed. But it didn't happen because that's not an absurd movie. That's but also, 
But also, as a side note, Philip Seymour Hoffman delivers this brilliant performance where he is just constantly in this state of, like, silent fury. It's very understated how frustrated he is. And also, like, just acts of straight-up defiance where he's told he's going to play this player at this position and he just doesn't do it. You know what I mean? It, it's, I mean, obviously that movie is grounded in a reality like an actual reality, not even like a reality-like scenario. Like that actually happened, but well, Dennis I mean, Leary, it's just contracts is is crazy. Well, Dennis Leary's still doing 1994 MTV commercial stick, where he's you know, speaking a million miles an hour in that Boston accent and just pew, 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 nonstop, nonstop rapid fireness. So that he has one speed. So <laughs> yeah, I guess that's you, you cast Dennis Leary, you can't get the film. That's what you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting Marlon um, Brando. I don't know. I don't really have anything else on this movie. I think it's. Uh, I think we've thoroughly trashed it. I, I mean, I, I don't have anything else. You guys? Yeah, and I hate watch? being a critic, but man, it was it was very like <laughs> I, I like I you know I watch a movie and it's like if I like it I like it I'm not gonna you know critique it and look but this one man it's like like you like you say Grump every scene it just falls into your lap it's impossible to not critique it. Yeah, I mean, like, there's only so much disbelief I can suspend. Like I said, I think there might be an absurdity in every single scene. Um, and, you know, here we are at the beginning of this episode talking about movies and, and all the, the minor things that they do wrong that disqualify them or they're not good enough for this reason or that reason. Like, every movie that we mention at the beginning is not being good enough. is probably a more realistic and better grounded movie than this. If you're trying to make a movie where you're making it as real as possible... The word suspension of disbelief should never apply in that movie. Yeah. I, that's just, I can't make it any more simple than that. If you're being real, you are real. You can't be almost pregnant. You're pregnant or not. Especially How many people that don't watch the draft every year watch this? Well, why what would you? Before. What's the draw? That's my Kevin point. Is like I, I don't think anyone who doesn't watch the draft every year watch this, and they made it for those people. Yeah. It's why people – it's why the halftime show is too long at the Super Bowl. It's why we have you know, musical entertainment during the All-Star game. It's just because they want to get as many people as possible, as many eyeballs as possible to watch their product so they can charge more for ad rates next year. And that's it. It's just you know, if they made a – they made a hardcore movie about the draft – it would be an underground cult following. People would like people like us would watch it. It would be in our, I mean, to date ourselves, but like in our our VCR library of movies we'd watch all the time. But most people wouldn't, and the box office would be as bad as Big Fan is. But this, when you have big stars in it, and you want make it a mass appeal, you're going to just throw the kitchen sink at it, and that's this is what you get. It satisfies no one, trying to satisfy everyone. You know what satisfies me? DraftKings. No, I'm just kidding. Um, training <laughs> Camp. No, we don't have any sponsors. <laughs> training Camp is is next week. and um, You guys you know, should start doing fake ad reads. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. such a good this idea. Battery acid. <laughs> we actually, just do when I first started Simple Man Radio, we used to do fake ads. Like Dollar General. It's like, you're, you're, you're more likely to find a fight here than what you're looking for. <laughs> It's like, what's the, the family guy joke where it's like, brought to you by Kia. Kia. Too bad it's a Kia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, you know, we thought that we'd just do a nice little fun, goofy episode in the offseason because now the offseason is officially, in my opinion, ending. Training camp to me is no longer offseason. This is now preseason. Um, so we have some like real stuff coming up and then, you know, in a couple of weeks we're going to be doing twice a week, you know, the, the pregame show uh, right before the weekend uh, for Friday morning and then the postgame review on Tuesday morning after we've done a bunch of review work and stuff like that. So a lot of chaos and a lot of like seriousness and not a lot of laughing. I mean, honestly, you know, this gets to be a very heated podcast when things are going not so well. And even if there's like one thing that frustrates us, us in a win. So it was nice to just kind of do a nice little simple thing. Bobby at, at Talking Giants, you guys are doing like a ton of episodes the coming week, right? Yeah, for the next six weeks, we'll have an episode every single weekday. We'll previewing three episodes a week. We'll be previewing two players a day and then our regular uh, twice a week episodes. Yeah. So um, be sure to follow Bobby and talking giants on Twitter and um, YouTube and stuff for all their episodes. Cause all their content is really good. And I'm sure everybody listening to this already does, but if you don't be sure to do that, um, now do it now stop pause this and do that yeah wait five um, seconds go ahead yeah <laughs> okay. and we, we have we have a couple more episodes coming up where we're detailing the position breakdown on the defensive side and we're going to start that next week on our normal time slot tuesday morning whatever this was just kind of like a fun little bonus uh to break up your week right before the serious stuff starts so i hope you guys are having a really good summer be sure to follow me on twitter at football underscore grump and the cranky fan as well at the cranky fan and bobby is it yours just at bobby skinner with an underscore at the end the at bobby skinner is it's a profile with nobody that's ever used it but i can't Ah, get it for some reason bummer so don't forget the underscore you'll follow someone who doesn't care um and um (laughs) he has a follower and it's me that guy might is like. Is it really? Uh, actually, no, no. I'm, I just looked it up. I unfollowed. But what's funny is there's one follower, and he's a Giants fan. He has Giants in his picture and his like cover photo. <laughs> that guy doesn't follow me though. So that guy followed that person, thinking like I guarantee you they went from YouTube. Like, okay, I'm gonna follow Bobby Skinner on Twitter. You know, he talks about Twitter a lot. Followed that account and has never followed me. So he's so disappointed in my Twitter game. Yeah, uh, I thought you were gonna say it was Justin. <laughs> no, what the fuck? It's his name is Milton Salgado, and he Milton. I mean, Milton, if you're listening, you've got the wrong one. Bobby Skinner with an underscore at the end. David follows him. You know, Rodney Hampton follows him, but he's he's following at Bobby Skinner, and he's not following me. He's the <laughs> only person actually... in the world. And he also loves the movie Draft Day. Account an oh, account yeah. with no tweets and no likes. Yeah, he must love the movie because he is a <laughs> real idiot. Does he have uh, a profile picture? Or is he an egg? No, he has. It's a picture of him at Giant Stadium. <laughs> well, Milton, come on, get your shit together, dude. In fact, um, I'm gonna tweet at him and tell. I'm gonna follow him right now. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna attack both the guys. <laughs> Everybody, please follow Milton. Yo, I would love if. Are you are you tweeting and and um just adding him so that everyone can see? Um. I ju- you guys just got the notification. All right, cool. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> I would love if like a bunch of people who follow you just see it and just start piling on without knowing why. 
Everybody, please follow Milt S S R G Men for L Y F for life. So he had for 134 life. followers to start the day. Maybe we can get him to 200. Here it comes. <laughs> He's got me. He's got me. All right, guys. So be sure to to check out Talking Giants and check out us next week as we get into real training camp stuff. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your summer before the real shit starts. So thanks, Bobby, for coming on. And thank you guys for listening. Go Go Giants. Giants.